Thank you, Elaine. Well, I, um, it's an honor to be here this morning, and it's an honor to pass off uh, the discipleship school to Elaine. We feel so confident in her leadership. And I'm like, I, I think I've seen maybe half of these faces here. Uh, and so that means that many of you don't even know who I am. So I just want to say, hi, I'm Phil. This is my <laughs> wife, Leslie. Uh, we have been part of Antioch for the last 10 years, and we are home church is Antioch Brighton. So uh, we co-direct the discipleship school, which is for Antioch Waltham and Antioch Brighton. But my major role is, or half my role, I guess, is I'm a pastor at Antioch Brighton with our young adults. So that's why we spent a lot, predominantly most of our time there, but we love it here. We live in Waltham. Waltham's like our city. We're like a mile away. So it's fun to come and worship with you guys. And if you... uh, I know some of you, but a new thing that's happened to me is I've shaved my head recently. It's like a new look for me. And uh, so when people see me, they're like, whoa, Phil, you know, I'm not used to this. But uh, one thing that's been happening is that people have been commenting on my head and they've said, you have a really great shaped head. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, you know, like I, I like, I, I like receive that. But then I walk away and, I, and then I realized one time I was like, Oh, people say that to you because instead of saying, I'm sorry that you lost all your hair, they say you have a nice shaped head. So I've I've appreciated the compliments, but I also realized, bummer, I I lost my hair. So it is good to be here, and uh, I'm excited to share this word this morning. You guys have been in a series on the reliability of Scripture. Uh, This is a little bit of an inserted Sunday. I'm not going to be talking about the reliability of Scripture, although I believe that the Scripture is reliable, and we're going to be reading a lot of it this morning. But I'm going to be talking uh, about a story from the life of Moses and looking at a uh, famous story from the Old Testament in Exodus uh, when Moses and the Israelites walked through the Red Sea. So I have a question first, though. How many of you have received a promise from God, or you feel like God has spoken a plan for your life, or maybe the next step of your life, and then life circumstances hit that are very different than what that plan or that promise is. Have you ever experienced that? God's spoken, and you're moving, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is, this is different than what I thought it was going to look like. Well, I have good news for you is that I want to welcome you or say, Welcome to life with God. This is just how it works. Life does not always, it's not linear always with God's promises. It looks a little different. So I want to encourage from the book of Proverbs, and that's Proverbs 3, verses 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When life doesn't look exactly like you thought it was going to look, Proverbs 3, 5 is that verse that I want to call us back to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We're going to look at the story of the Red Sea, and it's a story where uh, the Israelites, they had a promise from God, they had a plan from God, but then circumstances hit that looked very different, and they had a response. They had a choice of how they were going to respond. And I want to say that God was calling them to say, trust me, I'm your God. I will fulfill my promises. And then I'm going to talk about Red Sea moments in our lives and share a little Red Sea moment from Leslie's in, in my life in these last six months. Let's turn to the scripture. Let's learn from it. Let's learn from the Israelites. Let's be encouraged. Uh, This is Exodus 14. And Exodus 1 through 13, chapters 1 through 13, is about the Israelite people. They were in slavery in Egypt. 
And God calls this man named Moses to go and deliver his people, the Israelites, from slavery and bring them to the promised land. And you might remember in the very, you know, uh, I think it's chapter 2 through chapter 11 are the plagues stories. There's 10 plagues. God sends these plagues uh, in order to kind of soften soften Pharaoh to, to give up his people. And so finally in Exodus 13, he does. He says, get out of here. And so Exodus, at the end of Exodus 13, the Israelite people are leaving Egypt, walking towards the promised land. Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So here, God is drawing them towards the promised land, but then he kind of has them go this different route, a route that doesn't fully, it wasn't a direct route. And he actually brings them to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, there's a Red Sea in front of them. And we get a feeling or we get a hint of why God was doing this from this little phrase. He says, I will gain glory for myself. And actually that that phrase happens three times in this one chapter. And so God, we, we get this idea that there's a bigger reason why God would have turned them or bigger reason why he would have made them go a different route. And it's to gain glory for himself. And I believe that one of the greatest ways that God gains glory is by having a people who fully grow in their trust in him. We'll see how the Israelites do that over the story. Pick up in verse five. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haharoth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. The Israelites' circumstances were very different than the promise that God had for them. See them using three things. When life circumstances hit that are very different than what they thought it should look like, they have three ways that they respond. One is fear, two is doubt, and three is insecurities. And I want to actually talk to us today and say, hey, oftentimes when life circumstances hit that are different than maybe what we thought or what we had hoped for, do we ever respond with fears, doubts, and insecurities? Fears, I mean, they're hemmed in, right? They're facing the Red Sea. This Egyptian army is pursuing them. They're either going to get taken back into slavery or killed. They're terrified. They're choosing fear in that moment. And I understand. 
I would too. Doubts. I just think they're saying, God, why would you have taken us out of Egypt just to lead us back to being killed? Why would you have done this? And then secondly, doubts. Will you even make a way? Like here we are, hemmed in. We're about to get slaughtered. Are you even going to do anything? So doubting the character of God, doubting his plan and promise. And then finally, insecurities. They say, you know, we were just slaves. Why don't we just go be back to being slaves? Here they were just delivered from slavery. They were just promised to be the people. They really are the people of God. And saying, oh yeah, we are just slaves. Let's, let's return to that. So fears, doubts, insecurity. So often we choose those things when life circumstances hit that are different than what we thought, are different than the promise or plan of God. But there is good news in this passage. And these next two verses are so significant for us to remember. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What a beautiful two verses for us. What a, what a beautiful reminder when fears, doubts, and insecurities come into our lives. Moses comes into the Israelites' life, right? He's leading them, and he says, guys, stand firm. Do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for us. And I believe that this is coming out of a place of his understanding and knowledge of who God was. He had learned that God is trustworthy. The Israelites needed to learn that. And he, in that place of knowing God's faithfulness, speaks to them, don't be afraid. Stand firm. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Let's keep going and see the miraculous way that God does deliver them. And I'm going to summarize verse, uh, verses 15 through 29. So you maybe know the story, but here it goes. The Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on into the Red Sea, right? Put out your hands, put out your staff, and the waters will separate. I will send a wind that will push the waters back. And the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. He says that I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they're going to follow you. But I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army. Then the angel of the Lord who had traveled in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood between them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. So then Moses stretches out his hand and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of cloud and he threw the Egyptian army into confusion. So they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get out of here. The Lord is fighting for them against us. Then the Lord said to Moses, after Israel had gone through the Red Sea, stretch out your hand back over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. God made a way where there was no way. God fulfilled his promise in a way that the Israelites had no idea that he would do, but he did it. 
God proved faithful. And this is what the Israelites learned from this. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. God has a a plan for the Israelites and a promise. He says, we're going to this promised land. But then life circumstances hit that look very different than what the promised land looked like. And the Israelites, they respond in fear, doubt, and insecurity. But Moses says, guys, stand firm. We can trust God. He's going to make a way. And then God does make a way. And then the fruit of God making a way and the fruit of Moses calling the Israelites to stand firm is that they feared God and they grew in their trust in him. And I love this because for the rest of the history of the Israelites, all throughout the rest of the Bible, they look back. We can trust him. He is a faithful God. And so these Red Sea moments in our lives, they're going to come. There's going to be times when life circumstances hit that are very different than what you feel like the promise is. And our call as a people is Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. We will remember and grow in our trust in him. So I want to bring you guys into a a recent uh, Red Sea moment. Um, in Leslie and my life. So Leslie and uh, me, when we were single, before we married five years ago, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Yeah. Marriage is amazing. I love it. But when we were single, I lived in, uh, in North Africa. Leslie lived in Asia. And we were both on church planting teams uh, with Antioch. And we felt like as singles, uh, God was calling us to be ones who ministered the gospel in places where the gospel is not. That was a kind of a, a call, a promise that we felt like I was saying, hey, this is where I want you to spend your life. And then when we got married, we again, we just were like, all right, now we're married, Lord. What's the, what's the call as a, as a married couple? And we felt like, same thing. You guys are being called to minister the gospel to places where it's, where it's unreached, where it's not. And so for the last five years, we've been in Boston. And we've been serving in our discipleship school and with our young adults at Enoch Brighton. But every year we felt like, Lord, is this the year? Lord, are you calling us? Where are you calling us? And year in and year out, he said, stay here in Boston. Stay here in Boston. So we've served and we've loved our time here. But last summer, we traveled to North Africa. We have a, a church planting team in North Africa. And we were there. And as we were there, uh, we were invited to become team leaders uh, in one of the cities in that, in that nation. And as we prayed about it, uh, we sensed, hey, we really feel like this is where God is calling us. We feel like this is our next step of faith. We want to step into this role. We feel like this is our opportunity to live out the promise or the plan that God has for our lives to minister the gospel in unreached places. So we said yes to that. This was last summer. At the same time, about... Little wonderful girls, Hannah and Ava, two little twins. And they were three years old, and we were like, hey, this would be a great gap. Uh, you know, let's have another kid. This is perfect age. We're, we're kind of through the, the craziness. Uh, we, we're ready for one more. So we were trying for about a year, 
And even in the midst of that, we had an early miscarriage. And so it was, it was not that easy for us to, to try to get pregnant. And it had been a year of trying. And when we said yes to moving back, we sensed, hey, this is, um, I, don't, I don't think we should continue to try to have kids, at least for uh, the next, the foreseeable future. I'd rather move to North Africa and uh, w- with our kids and not have an infant just so we can learn the language. So we decided, hey, that's going to be what we're going to do. We're not going to try to have kids. The month that we get back, we get pregnant, right? As we had said, let's not get pregnant. And, you know, for us, it was a mix, is mixed emotion, but the overall emotion was absolute joy. Yes, like we've been wanting to get pregnant. Praise God. Um, but it, there also was a sense of like, all right, this, does this change at all kind of our plan going forward? So we were like, no, we can still, we can still do this. We still want to move to North Africa. We still want to lead this even, even with the three kids. So 12 weeks later, uh, we go to get our first ultrasound. And it was during this ultrasound that we found out that there were some complications with the baby. There were some, some birth defects that was um, discovered in the ultrasound. And so, you know, it was, for us, it was like really, really difficult, as you can imagine, because um, you, you never want anything to, you, you hate to hear bad news, especially about your kids. So we heard that news, and we were like, uh, the, the kind of outcome for this kind of birth defect was either serious surgeries early on in life, um, early you know, the, the, the baby would pass away early on in life or the baby would pass away in utero. Those are kind of like the three options besides a miracle. And so when we heard this, we were like, Lord, you know, you, if we have our baby that has these complications, this isn't going to work. And so we were very, very confused at that time. Lord, we felt like we spoke this. We've been asking you for, for clarity and, and we said yes and now this. Like, what's the deal? So for the next two months, uh, we prayed and believed, and we're like, Lord, bring a miracle, do a miracle. And, and actually, many of you from Antioch Waltham joined us in prayer and belief that, that our baby would be healed. Two, two months later, t- at 20 weeks, um, Les went back in for a, a follow-up appointment, and, and they found that the baby had passed away. And so as you can imagine, that was really, 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 really difficult. Because we just were expecting a miracle. We were expecting life. And, um, and then also with our, our whole other, our plans for our future, again, it just threw it in the total turmoil, basically. We were like, Lord, what are you doing right now? And in that moment, just like I was talking about with the Israelites, fears, doubts, and insecurities just rushed into my life in a way that I've never experienced before. Fear, I just... I couldn't get over the uh, fear of uh, my other children being hurt or being, you know, getting sick or something happening to them. And I was like, there's no way we would move anywhere. Not, not with our, my little girls. I'm just petrified that something bad is going to happen to them. Doubts. You know, it's, it's really difficult when you pray and pray and pray and believe for a miracle and then, and then it doesn't happen, you know. And, and I, I get that not all of our prayers you know, turn out exactly how we pray, but, but man, it's hard to get over that a little bit. There's something that happened in my gut where I was like, I doubted God's character to actually answer prayer. And then finally, insecurities, you know, in the midst of kind of me being uh, paralyzed with these fears, doubts, and, and now insecurities, I just felt like, 
you know what, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe, maybe we weren't supposed to go to North Africa. I don't even think I'd be a good, uh, good at that job anyway. I'm not, uh, you know, this is actually a good thing. I'm going to stay here. Just insecure about who I was. I couldn't make a decision. I was stuck in fears, doubts, and insecurities. And I remember my, my pastor, Mark, the lead pastor at Antioch Brighton, he came over and he just, you know, he spent a lot of time with us in that, in that chunk of time. And he was like, gosh, what are you going to do? And, and we looked at him, Les and I were like, we have no idea. I, I cannot make a decision. I don't know how to make a decision. I don't know what to think about what's next. I don't know if we should go to North Africa. I don't know if we should stay. I just was totally confused. And I just remember Mark specifically saying, all right, well, we're just going to wait and trust God to make a way. We're going to wait and we're going to listen to God, you know. I felt like he, he, he pulled a Moses on me. He said, You're gonna, we're going to stand firm and we're going to wait for God to speak, even though we didn't know what that would look like. So fast forward about a month, and this was uh, this, was this past January. I mean, this was just a couple months ago. A&E Conference. Uh, A&E Conference is an Antioch, New England conference. We, we have it once a year. We met right in this room. It was a weekend to worship God and to ask God, God, what do you want our church to do around the world? How do we as Antioch bring the gospel all around the world? And Lindsay Owens was one of the speakers. She's, she's here in our church and she spoke about um, kind of bringing the gospel around the world. And she had this response time where she said, basically like, hey, come to the front if you want to be broken, if you want to experience brokenness in your life, because Brokenness is a good thing we learn from that, right? Or go to the back, go to that map or on the wall back there, gather around and just pick a country and start to pray for it. And so Liz and I looked at each other and we were like, let's head to the back. I don't, wanna, I don't, I don't want any more brokenness in my life. Let's go to the back and start praying. And so we did and we picked a country and we looked at North Africa and I wasn't feeling anything in that moment. I wasn't feeling any emotion. I was just God, like very kind of, you know, right, I'm just going to pray. I know how to pray. So God, you know, bring the gospel to North Africa. That's, that's kind of how I started. About a couple seconds, though, into that prayer, all of a sudden, just a wave of emotion hits me. And for the next 30 minutes, I'm back there just weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And I didn't, I, in the moment, I honestly, I didn't even know what was happening. I, I hadn't really cried like that uh, in a while. I'm just weeping and weeping and weeping. And, and what, I was real, what I realized kind of in hindsight, as I look back on that moment, what I realized was that, that in that moment, it was for the first time in about three months that I felt like fears, doubts, and insecurities were, they were just like taken out of my life. If you've ever, if you've ever experienced fear, doubt, or insecurity, and it's just kind of like this, like, uh, it's just continuing in your life. Sometimes you forget that it's there. And it's, oh, this is just how I operate my life. But when, it's, when they're gone, it's like, oh, this is amazing. And I felt in that moment, as I look back on it, I was like, oh, that was the moment that Jesus literally came and took fears, doubts, and insecurities out of my life. He just, he, he protected me from them in that moment. And he said, I have a calling and a promise on your life. And your promise is to bring the gospel to unreached places in the world. Will you do that? I felt like in that moment, 
instead of responding in fear of saying, no, I can't do that because I don't want my kids to get hurt. Or I am in that moment, I say, no, I can't do that because I doubt you'll be with me. Or no, I can't do that because I'm insecure about who I am in that moment. I said, yes, because I know you'll be with me. And I felt like it was like the Israelites probably at the Red Sea where all of a sudden the sea parts and they're like, oh, this is how we get away from fears, doubts, and insecurities. We can walk with you, God, into our promise. And that was what happened back there just a couple months ago. And it's amazing to think back. I mean, even now, these tears are tears really of joy because I got to experience the presence of God like I I haven't in a long time. Leslie preached this message. She she would preach a whole nother way that God spoke to her and and ministered to her in the midst of the the incredible hard pain for a a mother. But our story was God bringing us through the Red Sea. When, When he spoke a promise, life circumstance hit that were very different. We responded in fears, doubts, and insecurities. But God said, I have a different way for you. I have a different way for you to respond. You can trust me. Well, here, wasn't the band come on up? And we're just going to, we have a chunk of time right now to respond. And here's how I'd like us to respond. Each of you will go through or are going through Red Sea moments in your Christian walk. Leslie and I just came through one. And I pray that for us, for the rest of our lives, we'll look back on this moment and say, we trust God more because he showed up in that way. We trust God more because he, 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 he took away our fears, doubts, and insecurities and allowed us to walk into a promise and a plan that he has for our lives. I pray that we look back and say we can trust God more because of that moment. But many of you guys, you might be in a couple of different places. First, you might be in the place where you feel like God is just starting to speak his promise or his plan for your life. Just like he started to speak to us. Hey, I want you to bring the gospel to unreached people, groups around the world. You might be in a place where God's speaking promises to you. And I just want to say to you, choose trust now. You have the opportunity to believe that God spoke it. You can say, God, I trust that your promise will be fulfilled in my life. And if that's your response, we're about to sing a song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. I just want you to prophesy over the promises that God's spoken. And you say, God, you will make a way for this to happen. I trust you. Some of you may be in a place where life circumstances look a little different than maybe what the promise or plan you thought. And I just, you might be responding with fears, doubts, and insecurities. And, and we want to say, we want to minister to you right now. We want to be Moses to you and say, stay. We're going to invite you to pray. I'm going to have my ADS students. We're going, to, we're going to spread out up front. These are our current ADS students from Brighton and, and Waltham. They're going to pray for you. And we're going to say, we stand firm with you. Will you believe God promise? Will you choose to not live in fears, doubts, and insecurities and choose to live Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your understanding. So that's, a, that's the second way we respond. And finally, many of you have maybe come through one of these Red Sea moments. My call to you is to remember Remember that moment and and lock into your heart that God is a trustworthy God. He brought you through then. He's going to bring you through again. And you're able to minister to others and and remind them with your testimony that God is a faithful God. So can we respond? Why don't we all stand up? We'll have people up here to pray. 
Let me pray. And, and, and again, just worship. Use this song to worship and to make declarations over whatever situation you're in. Let me pray. Father, we just say thank you that you are a trustworthy God. Lord, you, you made a way where there was no way for the Israelites. Lord, Leslie and I have a beautiful testimony now of you making a way through the Red Sea, through our fears, doubts, and insecurities, and calling us into the promise that you have for our lives. And I say thank you. And Lord, I just believe that many people here in this room today, you're going to come and minister to today. You're going to come and remind them that you are a faithful God. You are trustworthy. We can be a Proverbs 3, 5 people, people who trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understandings. So come and and minister in our midst, Lord. And I pray that we would be ones who minister to one another, being like Moses, calling each other to stand firm and believe that God is good and that he's trustworthy. So let's worship and respond.